Thank you. You may be seated. Can you hear me back there? Okay. Praise God. Well, let's keep our hearts open. Hallelujah. Thank you. I might just put this down here or it might fly. Okay. I want to talk to you today about times and seasons. Times and seasons. Let me just say I agree with what Sado spoke this morning. Um, there couldn't be a better word for this nation at this present time. The nation hangs in the balance. Not only that, but the Christians and the church, churches also hang in the balance. You know, and so we need to understand that and be aware of it. And uh, understanding where we are in God, what is our responsibility, how we should respond adequately to the time and the season in which we are in. Because times and seasons come, but they also go. And there's a short period to respond uh, into what God is saying and what God is doing. But right now, the cloud is moving. And it is time to move on. When I asked the Lord what I should be sharing with you today, he said, tell them there's no more time. The cloud is moving. And that's not just for the nation. There are two things at stake here. There's the nation, but there's the Christian community, the churches in the nation as well. God is moving on. And we need to understand that. You know, in, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14, it tells us that God said, Let there be lights and firmaments in the heaven that would divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and for years. Okay, so he's saying there will be signs in the heavens that we'll be talking about days and years, times and seasons, and let them be for lights. You know, in August, uh, on the 25th of August, there was a solar eclipse of the sun, right? But what was really God saying? You know, it's very interesting. I've never seen like anything quite like this before, but the whole world went out to look at it. If you saw it on television, there was nation after nation from Australia, America, India, through Europe. They're all out at that time watching. In other words, God was speaking to the whole world about the season that we're now coming into. And it's important to understand that. It says about the heavenly realm, it says day unto day they speak to us. Or they utter a speech and night unto night they give us knowledge or understanding. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. God's voice, when that eclipse just took place in August, was God's voice. And there was no language, no nation that didn't hear that. But understanding it is another thing. And it says their line has gone out throughout the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. So God was speaking to the planet Earth, the nations in the Earth, individuals. 
and his voice was heard in every nation. And that's how significant, you know, these things are. And uh, it's very, very interesting about this particular eclipse of the sun. Remember, you know, if you remember the story of Jonah, is interesting. And before Jonah, have you ever thought about, you know, Jonah comes on the scene, preaches, and the whole nation repents. Isn't that incredible? I mean, he just comes on the scene. And the whole nation of Nineveh repents from the king all the way down. However, God had been preparing for the day that when Jonah stepped onto that beach, God had been preparing the time and the season for that great nation, that great city of Nineveh. And uh, very, very interesting. Just before Jonah came on the scene, there was a great plague swept through Nineveh. It killed thousands and thousands of people in Nineveh. That was then 765 BC. This was followed by a civil war and a second plague. Now, then came a solar eclipse. No wonder the people of Nineveh were freaked out before Jonah got there. All this happened before Jonah arrived. Now, you've got, see this guy, he's three days and three nights in a whale. It's very acidy in a whale. He comes out with any hair, he's no hair, his hair is gone, his eyebrows have gone. He's pure white because he's been bleached. And he comes up out of the sea saying, repent, repent. After the plague, after solar eclipse, after the civil war, and then another plague. I think, wouldn't you repent? Over a million people repented. Very, very interesting. Hallelujah. What was God saying to us when I passed over in August? Coming again in, a, in seven years' time, it will happen again. And that's unheard of in the history of what we know over the planetary systems. So we've got a seven-year interval here now in between. You see, revival, if you like, swept Nineveh. But it, it, it was after a time of great judgment. God prepared the people of Nineveh through judgment. And I tell you, this nation can go two ways. This nation is going to have a move of God, revival in God, but it can either be through judgment or it can be through the escaping judgment and allowing things to turn around in the nation. And to be honest, I just don't know how it'll go at the moment. It is hanging in the balance. It's right there, hanging in the balance. And so we need to be acutely aware. But you see, that is happening. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to treat? He said, tell them it's time to move on. It's time to move on. You know, We've come so far, and we've kind of gotten into a rut of Christians doing the same things, right? Come on, don't stare at me like that. 
We've been doing this day. I'm going to keep away from those steps. <laughs> We've been doing the same thing, right? Let's be good. And sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes it is. Sometimes the worship is good. Sometimes it's terrible. Come on, let's be honest. Sometimes we get we breakthrough. Sometimes we don't. And so we're muddling along, and it's good. That's, that, that's nothing wrong with that. But God has got far much more than we have at the moment. And it is time to move on. You know, one of the most astounding verses in the Word of God is found in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 12. I mean, it's a remarkable scripture. It says, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the work that I do, he you shall do also. And then he said, And even greater works than I did. What is that about? I mean, Jesus raised the dead. He stopped the wind. He multiplied fish. And he said, oh, you know, he said, you're going to do greater works. Can you believe for that? It's not blasphemous to believe that because Jesus said it. He said, you will do greater things than I did. He raised the dead. Healed the sick, cast out demons, turned water into wine. That's a good trick. Turned water into wine. You know, he could have just have turned it into petrol. <laughs> and maybe, you know, in these last days, things are going to get tough. There'll be whole long periods before we, we, without petrol or diesel. In the 70s, one of my assistant pastors rang out of um, petrol, and he was on to preach somewhere, uh, I think it was at a, a camp, and he ran out of petrol, and he still had about an hour and a half to drive. So he got out of the car, walked around the car, and said, Lord, we're right out of petrol, the engine stopped, the gauge is over, you're gonna have to manufacture petrol for me. Got back into his car, Turned it on, started, looks at it, the tank is full. Goes all the way. And that was in the 70s. <laughs> Greater things, she said, you'll do. You know, Jesus, they were going to throw him off a cliff, remember? And he says he just passed through the crowd. I asked Enoch about this, and he said, simple, he just became invisible. I thought, oh, that would work too. Pass through the crowd. He's out in the middle of the lake, miles out on the sea, and there's a storm brewing, and all kinds of things are happening, and then suddenly, they're on the beach, ship and all, instantly, like that. And you will do greater work. Hello? Jesus said it. That's not me telling you that. He, he said, you'll do greater works than I have done. Why? Because it's the last generation on the face of the earth and the glory of God's going to fill the whole planet. Thing is, God's moving on. And we need to know what we're moving on to and what to believe for. 
He multiplied bread, multiplied the fish. You will do even greater things. See, these greater things are reserved for this last generation, the final generation on the face of the earth. When I talk about the final generation, I'm not talking about an age thing. If you're alive, you qualify. This generation, you know, and we're on a journey, you know, and the end of that journey is the promised land. But we're not in it yet. We sing about it, but we're not in the promised land, you know. We're living in a time of absolutely great change like the world has never seen before. I mean, we've got a crazy man in North Korea. Anything could happen. You better pray about that situation. Anything still, and it's in the balance. Anything could happen. You know, the world is going mad. Things that Sadi talked to about this morning. It's the kind of world we're living in. You see, it's... it's God got the children of Israel born again, if you like, in an essence, you know, saved by the blood, right? The Passover. And he said, right, start on your journey. And they went for 50 days journey, 50 peak of Pentecost. All right, and they said they, 50 days, Pentecost, baptized in the cloud, baptism in water. And so they were off on this journey but they never made it. That generation did not make the end of the journey. See, born again, if you like, baptized in the Holy Spirit, 50 days out, moved in the gifts of the Spirit, all of those things, the water came out of the rock, God provided manna from heaven supernaturally. (coughs) That's the Pentecostal scene where we are now. But that whole type of picture of the Pentecostal charismatic scene, they died in the wilderness. Hello? You're Pentecostal? You're picking tongues? You're charismatic? You're still in the wilderness. And if we don't move now, we will be left behind and die in your present state. Sorry, I have to say this, but I have to say it. We need to know the times and the seasons that are here now. You'll die, sure, will you get to heaven? Oh yes, you'll get to heaven. On a very low level, but you'll get there. But you missed your full destiny of coming to this planet Earth. Children of Israel came right to the edge, beginning of the promised land, and missed it. Luke chapter 19, verse 43 says, For the days shall come upon you that your enemies shall catch a trench around you, compass around you, and uh, keep you on every side, and they shall lay thee even to the ground, and thy children with you, and they shall not leave in thee one stone or turned upon another. Why? Because you knewest not the time and day of your visitation. It's as simple as that. The journey had been a long journey. It wasn't easy. Life is not easy. 
Your Christian life is not easy. If your Christian life is easy, there's something wrong with you. Not easy. It's a battle continuously. And God's training you. You know? Remember Job? God lifted the protection of Job. He was the greatest, most perfect man in the earth at that time. And God says, I'm going to just lift my protection off you. See how you cope. When God lifts the hedge, things go wrong. And God watches your attitude. Pain and suffering have a part in God's dealings with us. And you cannot escape it. I don't know how much, don't care how much faith you've got, you cannot escape the dealings of God. And you're going to get some things wrong and some things right. And you'll have to, the things you get wrong, you go around the mountain again and have another crack at it. See, we've been lied to for years. People say, come, be born again, come to the kingdom of God, everything's going to be great. It's not, everything's going to be worse. You're going to be tried. They're going to be trials. They're going to be pressures upon you. He was the greatest man in the East. There was not another man like him as righteous as Job. And look what happened to him. It's very interesting, you know. They did not know the day, the time of their visitation. You know, the Jewish leaders... The rabbis and Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were Sadducee. <laughs> but they came, we've been praying about, they've been talking about, preaching about the coming of the Messiah. How many of you know we're all praying about, pray, um, praying for the coming of Jesus? Well, that's what they were doing. They were praying. But when he came, the religious leaders of the day missed it. They didn't recognize who it was. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you know, for hundreds of years, they've been waiting for the Messiah. They missed the day of their visitation. And these were the religious leaders. We're in the same position now, you know. You know, the number three in Scripture is a very important number. It's first mentioned is in Genesis 5.22, where it talks about 300 years, you know, walking with God. Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah for 300 years. Here it had to do with working, walking upon, walking with God. It's, you know, on the third day, God divided the night from the day. It's happening. But the final stage was to get to the promised land. However, they blew it. And the problem is that the vast number of the church does not recognize that we're in a time and a season and the cloud is moving. And it's a serious time and it's a glorious time. You know, in the wilderness, they had air conditioning. They had a cloud that kept the the, the sun off them. They had all of that air conditioning. They had manna from heaven. They incredible miracles. Their shoes grew on their feet. Their clothes never wore out. You know, you're talking 40 years. I had all of these things. 
just like all of us Pentecostals. I had it all and missed it. That's the scariest thing I know of. They just missed it. I had manna come down from high in the wilderness. You know, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. That's in Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus in Matthew 16, verse 1. They said this. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, saying, Show us a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. But, O oh, ye faith, little faith, hypocrites, you can discern this, this, this face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. It's times and seasons. We have reached a cutoff point this year. We reach you entering into a season now called the last days. And all the scriptures, prophetic words that recall, that refer to the last days, we are now entering into. We have reached that point right now. It's like the fullness of time has come. You know, God said in Galatians 4 and verse 4, when the fullness of time would come, God sent forth his son. What does it mean? When the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. Well, it's very, very interesting because the Romans had built sea lanes all around the world, shipping lanes all around the world. They built roads right up through Asia, right even to Britain. Then Jesus said, that's good. The fullness of time, the gospel can travel across all of those regions. When the fullness of time came, when it was ripe, the situa situation was right. He said, I'll send forth my son. You know, the charismatic move was a great move of the 1970s. If any of you were in that move of God, it was an incredible move of God. Just before the charismatic move broke out, the cassette tape was invented. Interesting. Millions of people were hearing teaching all over the world through a humble little cassette. It all came in the fullness of time. The right time, the right season, God says, I'm, and it was invented. You know, we were sending out six, seven hundred tapes a week across the world during the charismatic move. And it was like, wow. The fullness of time has come. season has come to an end you know on the last day of May in 2003 that's 14 years ago um, I was seeking the Lord an angel appeared to me a very powerful angel he said I, I looked at this angel I was sitting outside and I looked at this angel and it was late in the afternoon and uh, he just stood there and I said well why are you here and he simply said, I'm sent for God to, from God to give you this message. Then he produced a container, like a water container about this high. 
and he put it on the ground and water was dripping into it. And I watched this and I kept looking at this angel and watching this and then one last drop dripped into it and it overflowed. And I thought, you know, what is this? And then I heard him say to me, a time and a season has come to an end. And that was true. From that day on, it, things changed. In the hindsight, it proved to be true. Now, this year, 2017, on the 8th of June, I got up to pray, and I sat down in my chair in the lounge to pray, and closed my eyes for a few moments, and I opened them, and there's two containers in front of me. I mean, as real as this, by six feet away. And I thought to myself, they weren't there when I went to bed. <laughs> you know, there are two containers there, clear as, clear as anything. Water was dripping into them. And I thought, oh, I've been here before. Water was just dripping into them. And uh, I watched this, and, and the one on the left, uh, overflowed and vanished. It's made of silver. There was one more pot left. It was made of gold and water was dripping into that. So I thought, oh. and I saw the Lord. And I looked at the Lord that he was standing again about six, seven feet away from me. And I looked at him and I said, what does this mean? He said, a new season begins this year. You are now entering the last days. A large portion of the church is asleep and not aware of the times and the seasons we are now in. Scriptures, you know, flash through my mind, 2 Timothy 2.20, but in a great house, you know, there are not only vessels of gold, but silver, wood, and earth. Some to honor, some to dishonor. If any man purge himself, it goes on to say, let him... He shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and ready for the Lord to use. Talks about mixture, you see. So what does this mean to us now? Where are we? What does it mean? What must we do? This is the last stage. That last water pot was gold. It speaks about the third level. The outer court, the holy place, holiest of all. The out court, outer court Christians, there are millions of outer court Christians around the world. You know the Bible talks about the outer court and the holy place. Millions of them, they're born again, baptized in water, right? But they're in the outer court. Then in the holy place, we're in the realm of the Pentecostal realm. Candlestick, burning, table of showbread, intercess, intercession. The end table of intercession or an altar of intercession. That curtain is about to move, and the church, those who are ready and willing and understanding and want to go on with God, are going to step right into the holiest of all, and the heavens will open above them. That's where we are going. And you know, a new season, he said, begins this year. See, the children of Issachar had an understanding, which were men of understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. 
See, there are seasons of grace which usually involve a period of time to get things right, to line up with God and what he is doing, and then it comes to an end. The children of Israel got through to the edge of the promised land. Right, they could see it. And they said, no, too hard. And it just blew it, blew it, they lost it. David said in Psalm, God said to David in Psalm 95, 10, 40 years long, I was grieved with that generation and said that they do people do err in their heart. That word err is a Hebrew word which means to facilitate, vacillate. They vacillated all the time, didn't move on with God. And they have not known my ways. So I said unto them, I swear in my wrath, they should not enter into my rest, which was the promised land. So they came to the edge and lost it. But the interesting thing is this, the apostle Paul wrote about this in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 1. He said, moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant of what happened to those people in the wilderness. He said, don't be ignorant of that. Learn from them. Don't that they should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, were all baptized unto Moses and in the cloud and the sea. They ate, man ate manna from heaven. They all drank the same spiritual drink. This sounds like Pentecostal and charismatic. Sounds great, doesn't it? And uh, they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And their rock was Christ. See, he said, no, that was a picture of what's happening to you and I today. First Corinthians 10, 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown or died in the wilderness. Now all these things, he said, listen to me, all of these things happened unto them for an example, for our admonition, us whom the ends of the world have come. Get it? He said, that's a lesson for this last generation. We're getting there. We're standing where they stood. They could see the promised land. And didn't move into it. They had healing, miracles, but all of that stuff. But still in the wilderness. Last year in Yom Kippur, um, 12th of October, around about Yonka, 2016, I was waiting on the Lord, and the Lord appeared to me and said, I'm going to draw a line between good and evil in the church. I thought, woo, that'd be strong. He didn't say when, but he did say this. He said, this will be accompanied by cosmic events. And those who call evil good and good evil will be removed, both in the church and in the world. Whoa, I thought, there will be no more grace ex extended for this. I will expose hidden and plans of the enemy in the year of the 70. Especially, I will expose Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and others. He was saying, I will expose how evil Hillary Clinton is. You have no understanding how evil that woman is. 
Now, you know, if you had a choice between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, there's no, there's no contest there. Put Trump in any day. Hillary Clinton is an extremely evil person. And we'll answer to it. And so he said, okay, especially Hillary Clinton and, and uh, Barack Obama. But he said, to those who walk with me in truth and righteousness, your time has come. And I thought, wow, yes. My sword is outstretched in judgment, he said, and my scepter will be outstretched in favor. See, the two things running together. Then he said this, transfers, transfers taking place, taken from one and given to another. I thought, okay. Convergence colliding in the heavens, great shifts occurring in the heavens. This was back last year. The Russian bear advancing, but will be restrained for a while. He said a plane crash will uncover evil intent. And that's the thing I had an encounter just recently, and he reminded me of this. He said, a plane crash will uncover evil content. He said, what the Lord said to you will happen. It's not optional. So I thought, oh, okay. There's a birthing of a new day. I had an encounter with Enoch on this. And uh, he was talking about this new day. And um, he said, you need to understand something. He said, this is a birth. You're in birth pangs now. But this year, it will give birth. And I thought, whoa. Ah, okay. But he said, listen. He said to me, never listen. Birth pang, birth, births are messy, painful, and bloody. I thought, well, I didn't like that bit, but the rest was good. How many of you have been going through a lot of spiritual opposition, things going wrong in the last, look at that, see, hands everywhere. Birth pangs. We're going to give birth to a new day. Hallelujah. Birth pangs are happening. We need to know where we're going. And he said, in this day, this new season, you'll do greater works than I have did on the earth. I thought, what could be greater than what you have done? Well, you could transform a whole, con you could translate a whole congregation into the heart of China to preach the gospel and translate them home again the next day. Yeah. Greater things. I'm not, I'm deadly serious. Deadly seed. These things are going to happen. This is a new season. I am sick of traveling on Qantas. <laughs> you see in Hebrews 12 and verse 18, Paul was saying to us, he said, For you haven't come, you have not come to the mountain that might be touched and burnt with fire. Talking about Sinai, you know, they came out of the wilderness, Sinai, Pentecost, all of that kind of thing. And the mountain burned with fire, blackness, darkness, tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice and words which came from the mountain and came from God. He said, 
You can't stop there, he's saying. Don't stop there. But you have come, you've got to come to Mount Zion. That's the end of the journey. Not just the promised land, Mount Zion, in the promised land. So he said, but you are coming to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, innumerable company of angels, the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator. He said, whereof for, in Hebrews 3.10, well, I was grieved with that generation. They erred in their heart and didn't know my ways. Paul was saying now, the end of the journey, the end of the age, this last generation, I'm going to take them into what we know as David's tabernacle on Mount Zion, Mount Zion, an open heaven. And he said there, he said, you will begin to interact with the other realm, just as easy as you interact with this physical realm. He said, you're coming to this city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, an innumerable company of angels. Wow. It's going to become so common, it won't be a great deal, you know. To the general assembly of the church of firstborn, which is in heaven. Oh, now we're getting into controversial territory. The general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which is in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men who have been made perfect. Now you think, eek, that's getting even more spooky now. And to Jesus, the mediator. He said, I was grieved with that generation, but I've got one more generation, your generation, this generation. You know, I asked the Lord about David's tabernacle oh, years ago. I said, Lord, what was it like, David's tabernacle? You know, they had a, it was a weird thing because nobody could touch that ark the high priest had to go in once a year and it was so, you know, anyone else touched it, you know. Remember when David was trying to bring the ark back and it started to stumble and one, one guy touched the ark and one flash and he was ash. <laughs> he had gone. And now, they put it back in the temple and said, it's safe in there. <laughs> David said, I don't know how we're going to bring this thing back. So he got this guy, Obedee, and said, put it in your house. <laughs> Obedee was thinking, I don't want that in my house. <laughs> it's a manifest presence of God. But right in the middle of all of this kind of stuff, David takes the ark carries it on a cart, takes it up, and then gets it right with carrying it on his shoulder, puts it on Mount Zion, puts it there in the little tent, and the glory of the Lord filled everything around. It's hard to know how long that lasted. It was quite, quite a long time. But I said, Lord, what did that look like? And I was praying one day, asking the Lord, I've been asking him for two, three weeks, what did that look like? 
One moment, one moment, I got up in the morning and I was looking at it. I thought, there were people, there was a light at the top of the mountain and it was flashing out different colors, like a lighthouse, but different colors, all lighting up Jerusalem, lighting up places, flashing out all over the place. But the Bible says the Lord has shined out of Zion, see? And it was flashing out. And then I saw this unusual thing. I saw people who were sick climbing up the mountain. And before they even reached the top, they were healed. I saw them carrying very sick animals. You know, animals were very important to them in those days. They had sick, their prized animal, they had these sick animals in their hand. And they would start climbing the mountain, catch one of those flashes, and they were healed. It was an incredible setting. That's where we're coming to. This is the next phase in God. We wanted to come without judgment, but it will come with or without judgment. There are two options here. They experience healing, miracles, all of those kinds of things. I've seen a number of times that you know, people get sick, they call an ambulance, right? They've had a heart attack or whatever. I've seen this about three times now. Those, those, the ambulance picks them up. The first port of call is the local church who is moving in that dimension, not the hospital. That was their first call of port. And most of them got healed there. You didn't have to take them to hospital. That's the open heaven. See? That's where we are going, hopefully. God wants us to go. Promised land was a cloud of fullness, land of fullness. Change is coming. Change is coming. There is coming a very vicious civil war into the church. Vicious, one of the worst we've seen. It's going to come, and it will be over the supernatural. It'll be over the realm of moving in the spirits. It'll be, oh, oh, it'll be over with conversing with the cloud of witnesses. All of these things we're talking about today, and the church will be divided right down the middle. And it will be vicious. So you've got to choose now which way you're going to go. He's moving on. It's a new day. It's coming. Ready or not, it's coming. And the church is going to be divided right up the middle on this issue. Facebook will be used to slander. The internet, well, it's happening now to a degree, but that's not as fierce as coming. You're going to be, you'll be considered uh, of having lost the plot. Talk to angels? Well, it is biblical, but they don't believe it. I'm talking about Pentecostal. There's coming a civil war, but when it's over, 
God will have a purified church ready to move into the next dimension. It's coming. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul is saying, you know, you're surrounded by a company of witnesses. It's important to understand the context in which Paul was writing this. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. He's talking about moving from Pentecost to a high level in God and then finding this place in God in Mount Zion where we will have an open heaven, open access to the heavenly realm. You know, the heavenly realm was all around us. You know that? I mean, you know, there are a lot of angels here today. A lot. I only get up here when I see how many. There's another realm here which you have access to. Now, so we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Complete open heaven, access to it with fellowship, with the cloud of witness, angels, and with Jesus in a continuous way. David's tabernacle in its fullness. Christ in his people, like never before. See, when it says in Hebrews 10, 12, verse 1, wherefore saying, we, who is the we? It's the true end time church, because that's the context coming to Zion. We are accompanied, compassed by a great cloud of witnesses. So he said, now, because this is going to happen, lay aside every weight of sin that does so easily beset you. I mean, you know, nearly all of us have got something which easily besets us, and it really nags us, you know what I mean? We think, oh, why did I do that? You've got to get it right. You've got to come now. You've got to prepare for what's coming. Weight of sin. Easily lay aside every weight of sin which easily trips you up, besets you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of the faith. Now, lay aside. You know, it says, looking unto Jesus. You know, one of the problems we have is this kind of thinking, oh, it's not real. Saw an angel. Oh, it's not real. Who said it's not real? You said it's not real. You see, we have this tremendous problem of crossing this barrier of this veil. And God really wants us to get over this. So he said, lay aside every sin. Easily besets you. Because you've come to the Mount Zion. This becomes a reality to you. The open heaven. And maybe you know the church in heaven and the church in earth are one, one church. And we have access to each other. That set up some silence now. That's what Paul said. Come to this open heaven. Church in the heaven, church on earth, church of the firstborn, and the church on earth. They're all one church. You know, this whole thing about the cloud of witnesses is going to be a stumbling point 
to a lot of Christians. It's got, the enemy is going to use this in the civil war. Talking to the dead. Necromancy. Who are these people who talk to the dead? Who are these people that are practicing necromancy? This is going to become such an issue in the church that it will divide the church right up the middle. You just determine which side you're going to be on. You know, it's interesting. He says in Hebrews 12, 25, see that refused him that's not him that speaketh. For if they escaped, that those escaped who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that's speaking from heaven to us. Listen to what God is saying. One more time, he said, I'm going to shake the earth, shake the heavens. And anything that's not of me will not remain anymore. Every nation is going to be shaken. Australia is going to be shaken. Just a matter of how much. You really need to get this prayer team thing together. Or it will be far worse than it could be, you would be, you know. The removing of those things that are made. Wherefore we receive a kingdom in its place. Now... When Jesus rose from the dead, there was a peculiar, particular phenomena that took place. Um, you know, it says in Acts chapter 1, 9, it says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. So he helped Jesus. He's taken up slowly on a cloud until he's gone, Right? And when they looked steadfastly towards the heavens as they went up, it says, two men stood by who were dressed in white and said, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come again in the same way, the like manner, which you have seen him go into heaven. Well, that's not going to happen, is it? I mean, think about it. What does it mean? Like manner. Like phenomenon. You know, Jesus is coming back, right? The white horses shout, trumpets blaring. That's not how Jesus left. He just slowly ascended. But they said, these two cloud of witnesses who were standing there, Old Testament saints who had died, these cloud of witnesses, they said, why is looking up into heaven? He said, you, in heaven, so sh shall so come, he will so come in like manner as you've seen him go. So, what do they mean? I mean, he's not going to come back, is he, in, in just a vapor? He's coming back with a huge shout and horses and scare the rest of the heavens of the earth to death, you know. What happened when he rose from the dead then? And it's just before he ascended to heaven. What happened before Jesus left? Because it said in the same way 
He will come back. The same will happen before, just before he returns. So, as he ascended, there's two men in white linen. These are men, not angels. Two are the cloud of witnesses. What did Paul say about this? Let's move on to the next phase. The spirits of just men made perfect fellowship with these. General assembly of the church of the firstborn. So those men who appeared in white just before Jesus left were two of the clouds of witnesses. They had died long ago. This happened many times throughout the Bible. However, it is going to increase in these last days. However, Paul said that, also said that Jesus would begin to appear to many in these last days. Now, it said unto the general assembly of the firstborn, church which is written in heaven, a judge of all, and to Jesus. What was he saying? Not just the spirit of just man, but Jesus. See, just before Jesus ascended, he began to appear in person to many people. And he said, just before he comes again, that same phenomena is going to happen again. And so it's like, okay, it's, you know, he started to appear. He appeared to Mary Magdalene, then many others. In 1 Corinthians 15, 4, it says, and that, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and he was seen by Cephas and the twelve. Okay. 1 Corinthians 5.16, after that he was seen about 500 people at the same time. This is going to start to happen before he returns. In like manner in which he went, the same phenomena that was in place before he left is going to appear on the earth before he returns. You're going to be in a service and Jesus will come and stand at the pulpit and preach to you. 500 at one time. It'll appear to many, many people. Lots of people. You know, we either believe the word of God or we don't. You know, that's as simple as that. Where are you going? Why are you here in this generation? You have a destiny. Why are you here? You're here in this last generation, this last generation upon the face of the earth before the return of the Lord why were you chosen to be here to experience this the greatest time far greater than what the early church experienced far far greater it began to appear you know all the way through the Bible we have the cloud of witnesses people who have died appearing to people in the Bible days now, you know, this is going to become a real problem. And you need to get an understanding of the scriptures on this. Because it's happening all over the world now. Believe you me, it is. There are numerous accounts in the scripture where these cloud of witnesses manifest to people and talk to them. Abraham was one of them. And, it, and, and there are many others. 
It's like, like in Ezekiel 10 too, and he spoke unto the man clothed with a linen and said, go in between the wheels. That was a cloud of witnesses. These linen, these in white, these men in white. Daniel accounted men from the cloud of witnesses. He said, but thou, O Daniel, Daniel 12, verse 4, shut up the books and seal the, the book, even until the end times, when many shall run to and fro, now that's our time, and knowledge shall be increased, that's in the, our time. Then I, uh, then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, they stood another two, the other one on this side of the bank of the river, and the one on the other, and one said to the man clothed in linen, these were not angels, which was upon the waters of the river. How long shall this be to the end of these wonders? And I, he said, I heard this man speak, this man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river. And when held up his right hand, his left handed and swore by heaven, he was talking to Daniel, one of the kind of witness who had died long ago, didn't say who it was came and talked to Daniel. See, these things are going to divide the church right across. I'm talking about, well, America and other places, but I'm talking about Australia. It's going to be a civil war over these things. So, you need to know the scriptures. On the mind of transfiguration, end of the sixth day, which we're living in now, beginning of the seventh day, and the Jesus spoke, you see, with Moses and Elijah, and the disciples heard them speaking. It was right there. Two witnesses, two, two days with, you know, Moses and Elijah. Now, they've been dead quite a long time, right? Well, gone to heaven at least a long time. Now, they appear in visible form, Right up there on the mind of transfiguration. Talk to the Lord. Peter heard them talk. And so, was Jesus practicing necromancy, talking to the dead? Well, that would be ridiculous. But he was talking to some who had seemingly died. Now, that alone gives validation to the fact that the cloud of witness is going to be with us in these last days to help us, even teach us and be with us. Abraham, it says in Genesis 18, 1, and the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre and sat in the door in the heat of the day. So the Lord appeared to Abraham. Then he said this, and then he lifted up his eyes and rose three men stood by him. Oh, where did these come from? These are not angels. These are three men. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, pass not away and pray for me. He said, Let a little water, I pray, be fished. Let me wash your feet and, and I'll give you something to eat. And he ate with them. They were not angels. They were of the cloud of witnesses. And Abraham hastened to the tent. He ate with them. Now in Zechariah 3.3, 3, now Joshua, not the Joshua earlier in the Bible, but Joshua the high priest, was clothed with filthy garments, and, they stood, and he stood before an angel. So here's this high priest, he's standing before this angel, 
And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away his filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I've caused your iniquity to pass from you, and I'll close you with a change of garments. Then he said, Let a mitre be put on his head, and so on. And, that, uh, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Right. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, now this is an angel of the Lord talking to him, if you walk in the ways of the Lord, and if you will keep my charge, and which shall also judge my house, and I will give you places among those who stand by. Who was standing by? That's answered spoken to those who stood before him. These were the cloud of witnesses. And so we have this over and over. Spirits of just men made perfect. We're going to have some difficult days that lie ahead of us. There's no doubt about that. Life is not that easy out there and it's getting worse, right? You're going to need some help on many, many fronts. Heaven is drawing closer to the earth. But two spirits, two spirits, kept them out of the promised land. One was fear, the spirit of fear, and the other was the spirit of unbelief. Two ruling spirits kept the whole generation of people out of the promised land. Fear, they didn't know what they were getting into. They said, oh, I don't know about this, the giants in the land. And unbelief saying, ah, oh, I, I, I don't know if we go in there, if God will protect us. We've got to overcome those two spirits. We're going where the church has not gone before. And fear and unbelief can be a real problem to us. I want to share some things with you I've not shared publicly before, I don't think. Okay. You know, Billy Graham reported that years ago, before the Iron Curtain came down, that Billy Graham reported that people would come carrying a whole lot of Bibles, would come up to the wall, the Iron Curtain, and find themselves hundreds of miles on the other side, giving out Bibles, then disappear, and they'd be right back on the other side of the curtain. They were transported physically deep inside the North Germany, and, and it was like Billy Graham gave, gave reference to that in one of his books. I keep seeing the face of Billy Graham now. I'm not a loony, just hang on. Ah. When Billy Graham dies, it'll be end of the old phase from the 1948 move right up to now. It'll come to an end and he will soon die. Sorry, Billy. But he's, he's wanting to go anyway, so anyway. Hmm. <laughs> well, on the 18th of October, 2016, um, three angels appeared to me in my office and said, you must wait upon the Lord, which I did that night, but I came so tired I fell asleep. And I thought, oh, well, I blew that. <laughs> 
Then 11 days later, uh, on the 29th of October, the Lord appeared to me and said, when your white horse appears, you must go with him. I kind of thought, well, I just kept it in my heart, you know. It's the kind of things you do. I told Joe, my wife, and I said, you know, you're not, that's, the Lord came and talked to me this morning and said, when your white horse appears, what do you think this means? He said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, November the 20th, 2016, the three angels that appeared with me on the 18th of October came again, this time with a white stallion. I mean, when a white stallion appears in your lounge, you know something's happening. <laughs> I looked at this horse, and I looked at these angels, and I heard what, remembered what Jesus said, you must go with him. And when I thought, I just thought this, all right, I'll go with him. And when I said that, my spirit came out of my body. I was on that horse and I was, the horse could fly. I was flying. Now, doesn't this seem like, you know, you know, he's lost some of his marbles. These kind of things are happening all over the world. Just now, it's like they're coming out of the closet and telling you about it. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, it's a bit, you know. So we were flying in what I thought to be about 10,000 feet up, uh, clearly flying across Australia, and then India, into the Middle East, and then over Jerusalem, where we paused for a minute. I could see clearly the city, Jerusalem, and so on. And I thought, oh, it's something to do with the city here or something. Then suddenly the horse moved off again. I thought somewhere in the north to northwest of the city, and uh, started traveling again, and then suddenly went into a steep dive. Now that is a very bit disconcerting, because the earth is coming up at you at a very fast rate. And even though there are three angels behind you, you're thinking, what's going to happen? Well, we went down, didn't even hit the earth, we went straight through it, to my great relief, into a cavern. With, it was light, but not too light, into a cavern. And I said, well, we're in this cavern. So I looked around, wondering what was in this cavern, trying to get my surroundings, would come into focus. And the room, this cavern was filled with books and scrolls. So I got off the horse and I could feel a very real presence of the Lord that instantly calmed me down. Then this man approached me. I looked at him wondering who he was, so I said, who are you and where am I? He said, I'm the keeper of these books and scrolls and I've been expecting you. I thought, you've been expecting me? Why? Then he said, I've got a scroll for you. I thought, oh, well now, now this is becoming interesting. You have a scroll for me. And for that, he handed me a scroll, which was about this wide, this one, thick, thick, about, about this wide, scrolled up. It wasn't, in just an ordinary scroll, scrolled up. And uh, I said, well, what do I do with this? 
He said, well, you can either eat it. I looked at it. Oh, he said, you can press it into your chest. I thought, I'll take the second drop, pressed it into my... <laughs> I pressed it into my chest. And it just disappeared. I thought, well... I thought about this at the time. I looked at this man and said, well, well, how does this work? I mean, what is this scroll about? How does this work? The look, man looked at me and he said this. He said, when your spirit is back in your body, the contents of that scroll will be sent to the memory cells in your heart, not your brain. I thought, I knew that. We've got a lot of memory cells in our heart. That's why people who have heart transplants, you know, have another life and memories. So I thought, oh. In fact, some scientists are now saying we've got more in our heart than in our head. But I thought, well, that would be fine. It trans into my, into my heart, the memory cell. I said, well, but okay, that's fine. But how does this work? How do I get it out? He said, well, it will be released slowly to you in Revelation. He said, particularly when you're writing. And I thought, oh, okay. Slowly into my consciousness through Revelation. I thought, oh, well, this sounds good. I said, well, hang on. What's written on the scroll? I said, what is this scroll? You know, at this point I was reaching overload and it was a combination of the love that was coming from this man and the godliness flowing from him and the presence of the Lord. And I said, what is in the scroll? He said, some of the writings of Enoch that have not been published. I thought, wow, that's neat. Then I thought, well, will I remember all this? And with that, I mounted my horse and we were gone. Same journey back. And I returned home as it there. And I thought, I'm standing up. I didn't fall asleep. I wasn't dreaming. This actually happened. Now, you can say, oh, well. Oh, the, he said, I said, what's on the scroll? He said, the teachings on transfiguration by Enoch. And I thought, Lord, you know, the ma majority of the church are going to think I'm nuts. And some of you probably will too, but <laughs> it happened. I can't deny these things. They happened, and I've got it in here, and it's slowly emerging. This is the supernatural realm this last generation is going to walk in. The spirits of just men made perfect. Visitations. Heaven. I had an issue with my mother because she died young when I was 17, left us, and so I had it out with her in heaven. I got some incredible answers. You know? It's interesting. You know, one of the things Enoch said to me was, the Lord does not come and go. He said this to me before. The Lord does not come and go. You do. I said, yeah, that'd be right. He's always there. <laughs> we disappear. We disappear from him. Um, 
And he said, to survive the next years, you have to learn to walk with God in a greater way than this, for this. You must understand another aspect of God. To do this, he said, you must understand first the omnipresence of God. I thought, okay, God is omnipresent. It's vital that you understand that. You know, we're always seeking for God, right? Where is he? Let's get in the presence of God. God's always seeking for you. He's always there. You know, we have this the wrong way around. Let's find God. Let's find the presence of God. <laughs> he never moves. He said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. And so, he said, okay, to do this, you must understand first the omnipresence of God. God is omnipresent. God is perfect in that he transcends all time and all space. Time has no limitations. I thought, yes, I think I understand that a bit, yeah. Then he said the very universe cannot contain him. His whole being fills every part of the universe. He is present everywhere. At the same point in time, everywhere in the universe. Do you even get your mind around that? He never leaves. Never goes away. He's always there. Okay, he is present everywhere at the same time. So when God's talking, the Lord Jesus appears to me and talks in my room, he can appear and be appearing to you and talking in your room, or he can appear to someone talking to them in China, or anywhere. He's present at every point in place and time at the same time. He never goes anywhere. He's always there. He's omnipresent, that's what it means. You know, in 1 Kings 8, 27, 8, 27, he said, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven of the heavens cannot contain him. How much less this household that I have built. Solomon was saying this. Isaiah 61, 6, the earth said the Lord, the heaven is my throne, but the earth is my footstool. I'm always there. See? David said, where can I go to get away from your spirit? <laughs> Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go to get away? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send them to heaven, you're there. How did he know that? Hmm. If I make my bed in hell, he's also there. Now that's a hard one to get wrong. Verse 9 of 139, verse 9. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand is, and your right hand shall hold me. David was saying there's no place in this whole universe where God is not present. He's always there. You might not be aware of him, but that's your problem, not God's. He's always there. Very clear, he doesn't come and go. He may lift the awareness of his presence, but he's still there, he's omnipresent. Hebrews 13 verse five, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Never means never. No matter what situation you're in. I will never leave you. So I might boldly say because of this, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear anything because he is always with me. That's how you overcome the fear of what's coming on the face of the earth. He said, when you reach the end of this world, the end of the age, he said, I'll still be with you. Another thing Enoch said to me, he said, Christians are walking in the wrong order. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you walk in body, soul, and spirit. He said, you must reverse this order that most Christians exist in. That is the body, the soul, and the spirit. This is not the order that man was created to walk in. I thought, okay, yeah, I, know, I think I know that, yeah, I've, yeah. I think I've even preached on that. And he looked at me and said, yeah, but you didn't get it all. I thought, all right. <laughs> you must reverse the order to spirit, soul, and body. Now, how do you do that? You must wear your spirit. You know, essentially, you are a spirit. Now, how many of you have thought today about your spirit? See? You all look guilty. How many of you have thought about your spirit today? He's a real person. He's more real than your physical person, you know. He's filled with light and color. Power. Filled with the seed and the DNA of God. That's who you really are. But we neglect him. We ignore him. Because you start wearing him on the outside. In other words, let God arise within us. God in your spirit. And the enemies in our soul and body be scattered. To rising within us. So I said, okay. I said, what more do you have to say about this? He said, well... Awareness will, be, will determine the order. I thought, yeah, I know that. You must use awareness to reverse the order. He said, seeing oneself in the right order, if you do this, it will eventually become permanent. You hear what I'm saying? Now this is extra biblical because it's off a scroll and stuff and it's Enoch talking to me, but it's not unbiblical, right? There's a difference. It's extra biblical, but it's not unbiblical because the Bible talks about this in the New Testament, you know? And so we're told to walk in the spirit over and over and over and over again, but we're not told how to do it, see? Then he said something, he said this to me. What you see as the order will eventually become the order. It's a matter of what you are consciously aware of. I thought, yeah, I know that. I almost at this point dipped into quantum physics, but I held myself back. <laughs> Why did God give you imagination? 
Well, it's obvious, so you can imagine. <laughs> Why did he give you this incredible thing of imagination? Because we all have it. You know? How many of you know that Jesus considered imagination as real? Now, there's a scary thought, but I decided to touch on that this morning. You know, he talked about the woman, the lusting after a woman. He said, you've already done it. It's real. In the spirit realm, it's real. And that realm is more real than this realm. So you'll have imagination. It can be used for good, bad, or it can be just blank. You use your imagination. You know, the Bible says, looking onto Jesus, the author and the faith. How do you do that? Well, you use your imagination and you look at him. That's what you're giving imagination for. To access the other realm. The imagination is a bridge between the soul and the spirit. Amen. And you journey across it in your imagination. Beholding the Lord, we are changed into the same image. Right? How do you behold the Lord? You use your imagination. Let me just say something to you. You know when we are worshipping, singing, worshipping, if you get your imagination into action so that what you're singing you are seeing as real, it is real. It's going to transform the way we worship. You're given this faculty to connect with the unseen realm. The eyes of the heart. And as you're worshipping God, tell them who he is in worship. You need to use your imagination to be there. To see him. To be there. You get a whole congregation worshipping the Lord like that. The atmosphere is going to change really quick. And so, he said, if you need to see your spirit as being larger than your physical body. Now, you know, you can't, it's like, after a while, have you practice, as you focus on the Lord, this is part of focusing on the Lord, as you focus on the Lord, or you focus on your spirit, of being larger than your body, let God arise, and our enemies be scattered within us. So you're looking at the Lord, you're looking unto Jesus, you see him, you say, ah, oh, it's just my imagination. <sighs> Why did God give your imagination? So you could connect with him in the other realm. That's how you connect. Beholding the Lord, we changed into the same image. From glory, one level of glory to another. Awareness, he said, will determine the order. You must use awareness or your imagination to reverse the order. You've got to start wearing your spirit. Let your spirit be enlarged. If you continue to do this, you will create a permanent right order. You'll be more aware of your spirit than you are of your physical body. The order will be reversed, you see, through awareness. 
Hmm. Awareness creates connection. Imagination creates a connection. That's why God gave it to you. The Bible talks about imagination quite a, quite a bit now, you, you know, about connecting with God this way. You've got to learn. There's something you have to do. It's not going to just happen. It's something you have to do. Connect with the Lord. If you start connecting with the Lord, suddenly you'll start beginning to see other things like angels in your room. I'm with you, he said. I'm always there. Reversing the order. Awareness creates a connection and brings about, listen to me, a reality. The law of the spirit of life sets you free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of the spirit of life? Connection. It's connection. That's the law. It is, this is a law. Like gravity is a law. The law of the spirit of life. You're going to be full of the spirit of life. You've got to see your spirit filled with God. And filled with light and filled with color. A magnificent being. Because that's who you are. You know, some churches, preachers and some Pentecostal churches, they really think you're nuts. Do you know what? I don't care. We've come too far now to go back. If you want to go on, we can tell you a little bit on how to go on. But you have to do most of the work. Awareness creates a connection. This in turn, and Enoch said to me, this in turn will increase the reality of the armor of light, light that clothes you. Amen. I thought, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that you're full of light. And if that's now coming through on the outside, Discipline, you see, is required. Discipline. Now he said this to me. We've still got some time? Yeah, okay. He said this to me. He said, no. He said, you often see the Lord on the external to you. I said, yes, most days. And usually when I'm preaching, the Lord will stand next to me. Because I'll put him there. I'll see him there. David said, I put the Lord at my right hand when I go into battle. How did he do that? And that scripture is repeated in the New Testament, in Acts, the book of Acts. And so, it's like, he said, seeing the Lord in you, external to you, is stage one. He said, but seeing the Lord in you, looking out through you, is stage two. There's a difference, you know. You can see him in there or you can see him here. And, um, and I thought, oh, okay. You know, church history is filled with people who walk with the Lord like this. You know, great people. Haven't you heard of Francis of Assisi? He appeared in my room one day and talked to me about creation. Well, I tell you, that man knew a lot about creation. If I get time through this town, I'll share some with some things with you. Creation wants to cooperate with us. 
He wants to become, take our side in a coming, coming conflict. Francis of Assisi was a man who knew about creation, knew about birds, knew about animals, had a rapport with them. And the whole of creation is waiting for us to get it right, a manifestation of the sons of God, so they can join with us. They can be redeemed from what Adam brought upon them, join with us and finish the battle. Creation wants to do that. Church history is full of people who walk with the Lord like that. You know, I say, well, how does this work with you? How did this first start with you? Well, I guess it's been a process. When this happened, the Lord appeared to me. I made my mind up that this was never, ever going to be a one-off thing. And I thought, no, if it's possible once, it's possible twice. It's possible twice, it's possible four times. And so I expect it now. Once you've done something once, this is a law of the spirit. Once you have experienced something, done something once, you can do it again. That's a law of the spirit of life as well. So, hallelujah. hallelujah. Some people say, well, this is heresy, it's deception. Well, you better talk to the Lord about that because he wasn't deceived and he mocked in this realm and so did Abraham and Isaac. Ezekiel and the rest, were they in deception? You know, John said in Revelation 1.10, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice and this trumpet was talking to me. Now, if I got up here this morning and said, I got up this morning and this trumpet was talking to me, what would you think about me? <laughs> Come on. But it's all there. He said, this trumpet was talking to me. I said, well, what did it say? <laughs> he said, now this is, look, behold, the door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, it was the trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show you things hereafter. And he was shown around heaven by one of the Old Testament prophets. Because he said, oh, you must be an angel, bow down. He said, don't bow down to me. I'm one of your servants, the prophets. Showing him around heaven. I'll be drawn to a close soon, okay. 20th of November, 2016. Again, I was riding with this white horse and it seemed to me, honestly, it seemed I was among the stars because I would keep looking up. And uh, I'm with this and I'm thinking, right or wrongly, I'm thinking I could get used to this. <laughs> but how did that happen? I came out, sat down, closed my eyes, and there's a horse there. You think, oh man, are you seeing things? That's what I used to think. I know a bit better now. And I said, oh, okay, um, horse is back. Um, and so I got on the horse, whew, go through the roof. The horse stopped. Um, he came to a 
lake that was a deserted beach. We were riding along this beach on the ground and stopped. And he was reviewing, he said, look, and he was reviewing seg situations in history, segments in history. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Um, Second World War, Adolf Hitler. I was watching the Battle of Britain. And, um, you know, my cousin was um, shot down twice over in the Battle of Britain and survived both times ditching into the sea because the church was praying for him every time he took off. Survived the war. Anyway, be that as it may. And um, I thought, okay. And I thought, Hitler, the Battle of Britain. Then I saw a change to the assassination of President Kennedy. And I thought, why was this significant? They didn't know. Next, the whole change scene changed and I saw the Berlin Wall coming down. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I was trying in my mind to reconcile the dates, you know, but too much was happening. <laughs> then I faded out, then I was watching 9-11 take place. I thought, events in history, events in history. And, uh, you know, during that time, I was on the American-Canadian border when they during the 9-11. And the Lord gave me a scripture in Isaiah 30, 25. It says, there shall be rivers upon every high mountain and upon every high hill, rivers and streams of water in the day of the slaughter when the towers fall. And I thought there are two sides to the coin there, good and bad. And finally, I saw the face of Donald Trump. And I thought, well, why am I seeing this? And I thought, this is, why am I seeing Donald Trump? And I, you know, no matter what you feel about Donald Trump, he was God's choice. God was very gracious, not allowing Hillary Clinton to get into office. And so, okay. And then, while I was watching this, the face of Donald Trump behind him, there was light. Light starting to arise, and I felt that was a bit on America and maybe on some of the rest of the world. But the scene changed again. I was still looking now inland, but all I could see was an empty vista, just like an empty canvas, like a clean canvas waiting to be printed on. And I thought, oh, what is this? And I heard the Lord say, you will make what you make it. You will make, create, and terraform your future. I pondered for a while on this. Then I said, the Lord again spoke and said, if you understand, this is a new beginning in my purposes with, for my people. And you all have a choice. I thought, Okay, time to cross over Jordan. You can remain where you are, or you can believe all of these things are possible because they're biblical and they're available to you. You know, these lies, these are from, for special people like prophets and seers. No, no, no. These are for God's people to walk with him in all of these realms. They are available. You know, 
you'll have a choice, he said. You can cross over Jordan or you can remain in the wilderness or cross over to the promised land. I thought, oh yes, okay, time to grow up, folks. You know, there's envying, backbiting, jealousy, divisions in the church. You walk as men and not as sons of God. The church divided cannot stand. That's why this division's coming. It's going to wipe out one side and let the other arise. God's going to soon divide the sheep nations from the goat nations and the sheep Christians from the goat Christians. Those two sides. You see, there are many said who were Pentecostal. They said many in that day will say, Lord, we've prophesied in your name. My name, we've cast out demons. We've done works in your name. And he said, I don't know who you are. I can't see any love coming out of you at all. Only ambition. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the blessed. He said, who are these sayings of mine and do with them will be like, I'll show you in these last days when the storms arise and the floods come, your house will not fall. Things cannot remain where they are. The world is, it, it, is at this point, you know, that anything can happen. You know that lunatic in North Korea can reach America now with a nuclear weapon. Can reach, easily reach South Korea. Can reach Australia. And he's not all there because he's motivated by powerful demons and fallen angels which have an agenda against the rest Western world. You need to pray for that situation, you know. You know, it's a difficult situation where they could go in and then overnight, with a massive strike, and wipe out most of North Korea, or try to, you know, talk it over. He doesn't want to talk, though. So we're in that dilemma. Either way, there's going to be a lot of casualties. We need to pray. Pray that God will take control of that situation. However, the rain descended, the floods came, the, the wind blew and beat upon the house. But the house that was built on a rock, the sayings of Jesus, didn't fall. Division is coming. And God will allow it for a season. Don't repeat slander. There's so much slander around um, about other Christians. And lies, lies, it's unbelievable about other ministers. Don't go to the internet or Facebook, Twitter, you know, it's best to get off that stuff altogether. People say, oh, well, you know, I put all my data in the cloud. Well, it's not up there in the cloud. It's on somebody else's computer, which is hackable. Get it off the cloud. Otherwise, the Antichrist can take all that data and use it against you. Division is coming. And so... Where do we go from here? You know, it says nobody can see, they say, I've had this word, this minister argued with me. Nobody can see God and live. And I said, well, I have seen God and I'm alive. And he said, no, brother, you are deceived. 
you know, the natural man received not the things of God. The Bible is full of it, but they don't see it. It said in Exodus 33, and the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as he would speak to a man. Hey, that's God, you know. In the Old Testament, it says in Exodus 24, 9, Then Moses went up, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders, and they saw God of Israel. And under their feet was, were paved with works of sapphire stones, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clay. Seventy at one time saw God, and they didn't die. That's a problem to these people who are saying, you know, you can't see God and live. I can say, well, every time you have a, 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 an encounter with God, something dies within you, which is of the flesh. That's another thing. <laughs> you know? Oh, dear. Necromancing, calling up the dead. You know, well... You die and go to heaven. Are you dead? You're more alive than me. Come on. You're not dead. You're not the dead. The dead is talking about here in trespasses and sins. No man can see. No man can see God and live. It was the the word for man there is the unredeemed man. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. I saw God. He was high and lifted up. Train filled the temple. So where are you going? Things are going to change and you're going to have choices. Whether to go with it or stay comfortable or, or you know, bend under criticism against you. The devil will throw every trick he can to stop you entering this new day. You know, I've, I've buried hundreds of people, because I used to be uh, on call at the local hospital for anybody who wanted a, a minister who was dying. And I was called, not a lot, but quite some time. The number of times that they would say to me, I see someone standing at the end of my bed. I see my brother. I see my mother. It's not an illusion. It's real. When William Booth was dying, his whole family turned up in his room to encourage him. That was William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Were they necromancers? Of course not. You know, 12 spies went out into the promised land, right? 10 came back with the wrong message. That's just where the church is at the moment. I've been in the promised land. I'm telling you a bit what it's like, where you can go. But there are another 10 out of me telling you that's not for today. It's not for you. It's deception. It is this. Get over it and press into God. It's all in the Bible. You can walk with the Lord. If you believe a lie, well, it's true for you.
You know, we're encouraged to walk in the Spirit 26 times in the New Testament. Yeah, that's quite a record. 26 times. Spiritually where? We must close. We're going beyond, way beyond what the early church experienced. The early church did not get to what we understand as the Feast of Tabernacles experience. They got to Pentecost and went down into darkness and to the Dark Ages. A thousand years of darkness. They didn't reach up. We're not going back to the early church. We're going to the point where Jesus said, greater works will you do than I did. This is the end time church. And so we can go there. And very quickly. You ever wondered why... You know, Elisha was following Elijah, right? He was his mentor, and he was following Elijah. He gets to this point, and he says, Now, you stay here. I'm going on. Now, Elisha said, Not in your life. I'm not staying here. I'm coming with you. Right? You remember all those scriptures? So, it goes to another place. And he said, But stay here. He said, no, nah, I'm going on. You're not going to leave me here. I want what you've got. And I'm not staying here. So he said, all right, you come with me to here. And he said, you know, and there's 50 of the sons of the prophets looked on and were really mocking him. You know what 50 is? Speaks of the number. Come on. Pentecost. Fifty of the Pentecostals looked on and said, oh, yeah, you can't have what he had. And it says they looked on from afar and criticized them. And so Elijah says, all right, I tell you what, if you see me when I go, he said, Elijah, first of all, Elijah, Elijah said, what do you want? He said, I want twice as much as you've got. <laughs> Elijah looked at him and said, You've had a hard thing, you know. <laughs> That's what literally he said. He said, But if you see me when I go, you can have my mantle in a double portion. How many of you know he would have clung to him like it? <laughs> the chariot of fire comes down. And he's going up, there's no mantle, so he's yelling out, where's the mantle? <laughs> flowing down. And he did twice as many miracles that Elijah did. Now the point is, I said, well, what is the point of that? That's a bit of a weird thing. What principle is behind that? If you see me when I go, I said, look, I'll tell you what the principle is. You will never be able to enter into the new unless you see the passing of the old. That is really important to get a hold of. If you can see the old is coming to an end now, the old way of doing things, the old way of everything in the church, we're coming into a new day, the old is passing, you can enter into the new. But the vast majority of the church don't even know we're in a change of season. They don't know that. If you can see the passing of the old, 
you're a candidate for the new. The old is leaving. Music's going to change. Preaching's going to change. The level of miracles is going to change. Philip's transport will be normal. All of these things. That's the new. But you can't. You see, you cannot enter into that unless you realize the old is passing away. It's not worth clinging on to. A lot of things are going to change. A lot of things. <sighs> Passing of the old. So it's there. We have a choice. You know, it's going to happen. This year's change. This year, the cock will tick over. And the anointing will lift off the old. Now let me tell you something. It's serious. When the anointing lifts off the old and they keep operating in the same way, they enter into the occult realm. When the anointing lifts and you continue trying to do the things they've done and they don't embrace the new, they're against the new, the anointing lifts, they're going to go down into another dimension altogether. It's the way it works. So, what's it going to be? coming to an end I don't know about Australia I don't know which way it's going it's hanging in the balance and but if you pray 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 get together that's what I was saying this morning really really important because you can have a move of God the hard way or the easier way you're going to be a move of God in Australia eventually this could delay it though if that same sex marriage goes through, it could delay it. But you, Australia will have eventually a move with God. He's going to have a people, you see, who will rise up into the new. Hallelujah. A people. And, you know, this whole thing about freedom of speech is from the pit. You know? It's freedom of speech. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say homosexuality is wrong. Well, what can I say? This freedom of speech we're supposed to have in Australia. Mind you, the way you can get around it says the Bible says. But, you know, it's getting worse. That God's going to have a people. And the fact that you're here in this conference, you know, is the fact that, well, you're here because you're hungry. See the, see the old disappearing now. What's happened in the past is going to end up. It's past. It's, there's a new day, new ways, new scene, new everything coming. New way of doing things. See that. And you can become a part of it. Let's just pray, shall we? Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, you said it is the truth that sets us free. We thank you for that. And Lord, your people have come here today and they, they are eager, Lord, to walk with you. They're eager to understand in your ways. And I pray, Lord, that you will honor that. As we see, Lord, the, what's happening in this nation, we pray, Lord, that the tide will turn in favor of you, Lord. 
Lord, these people have come because they're hungry. And Lord, we are giving them things which are a little way out. But they are scriptural, they are biblical. And it's where you want to take us. Pray, Lord, that you'll put a desire in each of their hearts, like Elisha had. I want second, I want twice as much as I've seen in the past. At least twice as much. It's a double portion. It's a double portion year. Go for it. Ask him for it. Reach into it. The cloud is moving. Thank you, Lord. You know, when the cloud moved in the Old Testament, if they didn't get up and follow it real quickly, they died in the wilderness from the heat because the cloud kept them from the sun. And if they didn't die from the heat, they'd die of thirst because there was no water, only where the cloud was. When the cloud moves, you've got to move or be left to die in the wilderness. Oh, still a Christian, still make it to heaven, but you've missed your destiny for this generation. You cannot afford that. Press on to the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Take hold of him with all of your heart. Take care of the sins that easily beset you. Straighten things up in your life. Reorder your life so you have time for the Lord and with the Lord. And he will honor that because it is a time and a season that he wants to honor your pressing into him. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.